Thanks for listening to the Northwest Yearly Meeting Podcast. We hope that you find the conversations to be helpful and enlightening as you get to hear from those involved in the Evangelical Friends Movement. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you don't miss when a new episode comes out. Now, enjoy the episode. All right, welcome everybody to the November episode. It's like holiday season now. Oh, I know. I know. I'm like full fall right now. I know I am. I'm going to, I probably shouldn't eat these while we're recording, but I do have some Halloween candy sitting next to me that I need to like finish off. So I got some Skittles for everyone. Obviously you can't see, I got a little mini Skittles pack. And, and for those who can't see, I mean, I'm like wearing like a thick wool sweater <laughs> right now. So I'm like, it is, like, it's chilly out. You know, we just had Halloween, got all the candy. Now we're going into Thanksgiving territory. I, I definitely watched the, uh, the Charlie Brown thanksgiving recently so good i actually watched that and i say watched with air quotes like it was on in the background while i was doing other things but for the first time ever in my life for the first time yeah i've never seen it before my wife um they're a big she comes from a big charlie brown family i was not really a charlie brown family so i've seen the charlie Ah. brown christmas but i haven't seen like the lesser I don't know the, if saying I don't know if saying the Thanksgiving one is lesser is controversial, but the lesser holidays. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen that one. So the Great Pumpkin. Yeah, the Pagan Charlie Brown. <laughs> I know, but it's good. But yeah, so I just watched that the other day. Well, speaking of November, this is mm-hmm. this is kind of a a good kind of intro to our kind of our topic for this month. Is for those who don't no this is um this november uh, efm uh, evangelical friends mission is celebrating its 60th anniversary and which is a big deal 60 years way to go and so we thought it would be great to talk about missions and today on the podcast we ha- are speaking to um Josiah and Lisa and they are um they recently went on a Luke 10 mission trip uh to Greece and they, while we haven't like, they haven't decided if they're going or, um, and EFM hasn't decided where they're sending people yet, which will be revealed in the the dinner coming up in. Yeah. Here in the Northwest, like on November 9th, like they're having their 60th celebration here in the Northwest yearly meeting. And yeah, they're going to, they've been doing these Luke 10 trips, going to different places with the goal, like to start five new mission fields, I believe. And so they've been going to, I don't know how many different places they've gone to visit 10 or 15 or so, but they're uh, going to announce pretty shortly here, which five are going to become now full-time mission fields. And so Josiah and Lisa, um, they recently went on some of those trips to Greece. I believe we're going to hear from them uh, as one of those potential mission fields. Cause it was, I'm probably going to get an email, but it's five well, new, it's, it's 10 new missionaries to five fields in the next 10 years, right? Yeah. It's, it was something like that. Yeah. We're, we're probably getting it wrong. I thought it was five, five, five. It was like five new mission fields in the next five years with five missionaries. I don't know. Oh, here we go. We're going to get, oh, the it's right here on their website. Five oh, okay. year goal. I'm clicking on it. Oh, it's going to have to, I have to watch a video. Oh, well, 
Yeah, here are the 10 Luke 10 trip destinations being actively planned by 10 different planning and travel teams. Oh, so they went to northern India, Mexico, Ecuador and Peru, South Sudan, Tanzania, Greece, northeast Brazil, the Nepali speaking people in Doha. I probably mispronounced that Eastern Europe, Thailand and an unreached people group in a country near Cambodia. So those are the 10 places that have been kind of being felt out as like, where's the Lord leading EFM to start some new missionaries, like established missionaries. And so Josiah and Lisa, they went on the Greece trips that were going to explore the area in Greece and see if uh, this is somewhere that the Lord was leading us to have one of the, those 10 become one of the five that we would um, then start. So. We'll just go ahead and bring Josiah and Lisa on here so they can tell us about their trips. Hey, hey how's it going? going we good. hear you and we see you. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. Sorry to make you wait a little bit there. That's okay. <laughs> we we were totally butchering, so you can probably correct us. We were totally getting wrong the EFM five-year and five missionaries or the 10-year <laughs> and 10 missionaries. We had to pull up the website really quick to do the five-year <laughs> thing, so... Uh, maybe you know more <laughs> about that, but uh, EFM's five-year goal was to send, okay, here, now I found that after we butchered it, <laughs> to send 10 missionary households mm -hmm. to launch five new mission fields in the next five mm -hmm. years. There you go. Yes. Got so, it. Nailed it. There you go. We read the 10, uh, the 10 potential missionary fields that have been being mm -hmm. explored, and we know some people have been uh, on a lot of those trips, but um, you guys went on the Greece uh, is it trip or trips? Did you guys go both times? So I went both times. I was on both Luke 10 trips to Greece. Uh, for Lisa, this was her first Luke 10 trip and uh, your first uh, missions experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All okay. right. So. Yeah. Cool. Breaking a lot of firsts. There you go. Well, before we jump too much into it, why don't you guys introduce yourselves, uh, tell us your connection to Friends Church, EFM, whatever, how you guys met. We know you guys are engaged, so all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I can start and then maybe you can chime in because yeah. I, I grew up in the Friends Church. Um, so I grew up uh, attending Silverton Friends Church and was there ever since I was a kid. Uh, I ended up going to Barclay College. Uh, for um, both my undergrad and my graduate degrees, uh, both in missions. And then, um, yeah, I've been connected to friends. I mean, it's pretty much as long as I can remember. So there was um, uh, not as much familiarity with EFM initially until a few years ago, but through lots of connections, I've met many, many people who, who work through EFM so I, I know Dan Kamek, Matt Macy, uh, Stan Leach. Um, I'm, I'm good. Uh, say I'm good friends. And uh, one of my former professors what is the superintendent of the Northwest Yearly Meeting, Jim Lashana. And so I have some connections there as well. And so, um, yeah, I've very much grew up in it, being pretty familiar um, with the Friends Church and more recently becoming more familiar with EFM as an organization. Yeah. So, yeah, did I say my name? I'm Josiah. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm Lisa. I, I did not grow up in the French church. I actually grew up in a small Baptist church uh, over in Forest Grove area. Um, 
but I do have friends who've been connected with the Friends Church who've uh, worked and helped out at Twin Rocks Camp over here on the coast. And um, and my sis, my twin sister and her husband went to George Fox University, mm-hmm. um, loved their schooling there. So I visited a ton. So um, not directly started off with uh, going to the French church. And so um, I started dating Josiah, really. Um, and yeah, that's that's pretty much since then. You know, we've just been attending and going to different friends' churches, finding a home church in Newburgh, um, which is where I'm currently living. Um, but we also have gone to um, Scotts Mills. Um, we did visit, uh, visit South Salem friends. I remember. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That yeah. was Father's Day, I think. Yeah. Father's Day. Father- yeah, it was a while ago. It was. Yeah. It was a little while ago. Yeah. And, um, you know, and then uh, this year was my first time doing the yearly meeting. So um, we did yearly meeting as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then just kind of getting to meet, I've met Jim and Stan now with the mission to trip and just getting more involved that way. Mm-hmm. Well, awesome. <clears throat> Excuse me. I, I'm getting over a cold not too long ago and I'm still kind oh. of congested. Oh, yeah. You're- you're good. No if worries. I if it sounds like I end up hacking up a lung anytime <clears> soon, <throat> I'm also getting over a cold. So I apologize it's, in advance. It's that season, right? Oh yeah. Absolutely. So, so why don't you tell us a bit about your trip and and what like what does it exactly mean that you went to, to Greece for those who 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 aren't aware of what we're doing? Yeah, yeah I'll absolutely. just say too. I mean, like not to interrupt, but I just think like we read <laughs> we read all the ten, you know, potential perspective places. Like when you read some of them, I think when people think of missions and missionaries, like we usually think of like more third world countries and things like that. And mm-hmm. definitely some of the places on that list of ten fit that bill. But then like you hear Greece, I'm going on a mission trip to Greece, and I think some people are maybe like, huh. So yeah, fill us in exactly like what is going on in Greece and and why is that a potential Luke 10 spot? I keep on it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um well, to I think to to give some context, uh first of all, um the Greece as as a nation uh is kind of in this crossroad of places. Uh so it's kind of caught between uh, the Western European culture and like more Mediterranean, uh, Middle Eastern influences. Um, and it's in a lot of ways caught between first and, and third world. So at times you'll be in Greece and it'll feel very almost like at home, like it'll feel very modern in certain ways, um, what we would call modern anyway. Um, and then there are other times where you're kind of surprised at how uh, run down or how um, how beat up certain things are like how there's a lot of um, there's been a lot of hardship suffered during the uh, economic crisis that Greece has been in for the past mm-hmm. over a decade or so um, so that by itself kind of puts Greece in an interesting position but it's also at a crossroads for refugees who are fleeing from conflict in the Middle East who are fleeing from uh, you know, the Taliban taking over Afghanistan or religious persecution in Iran or uh, the war and conflicts in Syria. And now more recently, we have like the war in Ukraine, as well as I- I'm sure uh, everything that's been happening in Israel uh, is also going to um, have the floodgates, I think, are just going to continue to see refugees come through. And many of them, particularly ones who come from the Middle East, uh, Greece is their entry point into the rest of Europe. 
So many of them don't want to stay settled in Greece, but they want to go to Germany or to France or to the UK. And then um, they end up getting, because there's so many, they end up getting kind of stuck in Greece for extended periods of time. And um, all of a sudden we have all of these Islamic refugees who have never heard of Jesus, who have never been exposed to the gospel in any real way. And now they're sitting uh, in a place where sharing of the gospel can happen openly. And, um, and many of them are honestly really seeking and they want to have these conversations about who Jesus is, about what, what does the Bible actually say? Um, what is the gospel really? And they want to have these conversations. And I, I don't want to speak, you know, that this is all of the, of Greece's nation, because there's a lot of diversity there. But um, Greece is a place that is officially Greek Orthodox. But then when it comes to actual like practicing um, a faith, like a real demonstration of a real relationship with Jesus, there really um, is not much ability to, to do that. Many people don't know a lot about the gospel or even about who God is. And um, I remember one conversation um, we were having with um, a Greek person one time when I was there and one of my, uh, the people that I was there with just ended the conversation just saying, well, thank you so much for sharing. And I just want you to know that Jesus loves you. And the Greek person was completely caught off guard. They're like, oh really? Like I've never heard anyone say that before. So that's kind of the spiritual knowledge that a lot of, of Greece has. So I, I think it's a really interesting field in that you have a, a group of people that are native to the area, who many of whom don't have a real relationship with Christ. And then you have all of these people who are coming in, these refugees who uh, yearn to he- learn more about who Jesus is. Um, and now they're finally in a place where that can happen freely and openly. And they've never had that opportunity before. And from my understanding, your trip, what the the mission trip to Greece isn't primarily to Greeks, but to mm-hmm. the Islamic refugees. Mm-hmm. Can you can you for those who because and I'm sure that you went and visited some of these these um refugee camps, if you want to call them that, but can you give like mm-hmm. a kind of a um, and you, I know you kind of talked about the kind of the political, social, like mm-hmm. tensions that are kind of going on over there. But for those who like don't know, can you kind of explain a little bit more of like what it's like to live as an Islamic, uh, or not even Islamic, but just like a um, a Middle Eastern refugee in Greece at, yeah. at the at the present moment? Yeah, I can do my best to describe it. Um, uh, so. Many refugees who who come into Greece, they come in via Turkey and they'll come from Turkey. They'll usually cross over via raft. And as they are coming over, um, yeah, as they're coming over, they um, the rafts are poorly made. They're given life jackets that essentially just have like paper or pieces of garbage or plastic inside to make them seem like they are buoyant and in reality they are not. So the crossings are extremely dangerous. Um, it's not uncommon for people to drown uh, during these crossings. Um, the Greek Coast Guard is notorious for illegally pushing boats back or destroying engines to 
uh, and sabotaging these boats to make sure that more refugees don't enter Greece. So when they do get to Greece, um, if, they're, if they make it, then it's a fairly hostile environment. Uh, the Greek government is not very fond of them. Um, there's a lot of suspicion. Um, I've heard Greek people say that, oh, well, they're just spies from Turkey trying to learn more about, you know, our islands or whatever. And there's a lot of historic mistrust, a lot of a sense of these are people who are coming in and using our resources and Greece is already struggling economically and they're hurting tourism. And so there's a lot of mistrust from Greek people towards refugees. So oftentimes they're not treated particularly well. Maybe, uh, Lisa, if you wanted to share a little bit about some of the more recent things that happened fairly shortly, like just a few months before, before we went we over there. there, I think that would be, yeah, that's really insightful too, I think. Yeah, we um, got to talk with uh, uh, Lisa and Ken Durham a little more of their their situation. And then while talking with the refugees, um, uh, a lot of them are, are put into um, uh, camps, but at the time before they could have living situations like government apartments, um, as well as like they could be in the cities. That was totally fine. And then um, up to um, before we got there, the um, government decided to take all the refugees out of the uh, city. So so tourists didn't see them, I guess, was kind of their uh, prospect. So at like three in the morning, they gathered up all the refugees um, that were in Athens and kicked them out of where they were living and then took them to camps, just placed them all in various uh, camps over being overcrowded and um, then creating a... Um, kind of uh, another degree of not letting them leave. So technically, like the government will say that uh, refugees are allowed to leave the camps, but they need to have special uh, documentation, which is like a, a card that they wear around their neck. It's simply like kind of like a name tag, essentially. And you have to have them. So sometimes it takes days for them to administer these um, documents. And if a refugee leaves a camp without one and tries to come back in, they won't let them in. They're essentially homeless and they can't find um, the, the papers also help allow them to ride pub public transit, have, you know, um, medical care, things like that. So without that, then the um, like buses and um, any like hospitals and stuff won't help them. Mm -hmm. So that's currently their their situation with that. And they purposely put them out this far in the camps so they don't travel into the cities because it makes it mm -hmm. much harder. Yeah, that's pretty intense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, <clears throat> I've heard it referred to as like internment camps um, mm -hmm. and and. Or, I mean, if we're going to be like intense, like concentration camps, obviously they're not death camps, but like mm -hmm. in the sense that they are being, that they are, they are being rounded up for political, mm -hmm. political reasons based off of either their, like the, like their national status slash their like, you know, just, yeah, their national status, I guess would be the, would be there. Right. Yeah. And in addition to that, they don't allow uh, ministries or uh, NGOs into the camps anymore. That's another big change in the last few months is they've been really trying to make conditions as unappealing as possible so that um, 
so that uh, refugees who are coming or want to come to Greece, that they don't end up um, coming over. So they, um, a lot of ministries and non-government organizations have actually left uh, Greece and are no longer kind of working there because the conditions in which to minister to refugees has become a lot more challenging. So it's still possible, like we we did that and we, I mean, we felt like it was very fruitful, um, but a lot of the traditional ways in which refugee ministry has been done in the past is not compatible with how the current political situation is in Greece. So it requires a lot of like rethinking of like, okay, like how do we still do this? Clearly there's still this opportunity. Clearly these people are still like hungry for the gospel and they really like need these kinds of connections um you know but uh yeah the government is really pushing hard for to discourage it and um and realistically like the people you know in these places are not getting what they need there was one story of a of a woman who uh, her son had a, a skin condition and and so unless his clothes were washed every single day he only had one pair of clothes that he could wear and unless they were washed every single day, he would break out in, in all of these rashes. Um, but because they only had, he only had the one pair of clothes, um, it created all sorts of like, you know, stress and turmoil and, you know, difficulty. And then if you don't have the time to do that, then it makes things a lot more challenging. And, um, and so, um, we were able to, on one of the days that we were there, we brought clothing and let a lot of the refugees who were there, like, just say, Hey, like, if you see something like, please grab a few pieces. And she was able to find some clothing for her son. And, um, that was super, I think she was incredibly grateful. Um, but the actual government organizations that are allowed to work with the camp, right. Um, don't provide those things and they don't provide much else either. Like they, there is some food provided, but it's not enough to sustain like a family. Hmm. I'm kind of curious, like, I, I, we don't want to keep you too long too. I know you guys are going to take engagement photos today, right? Yeah, we are. So congratulations yeah. on that. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, I'm curious, like with, in a few weeks here, like EFM is having their banquet, their big celebration, 60 mm -hmm. years, and and they're going to be announcing, I believe, that's the, that's the hope and the goal, I think, is that they're announcing which five of, of these mission fields are going to kind of become full-time uh, EFM sites. Um, mm -hmm. What is, like, the process? Like, when you guys come back from these trips, like, what exactly is EFM and maybe you're not maybe you can't answer this question I don't know but what what <laughs> what is EFM kind of looking for and what's the process like when you come back do you guys have to like fill out a report of like what's going on there like how how do you think how are they kind of narrowing these things down obviously lots of prayer and and leading mm -hmm. of the spirit but like are there like landmarks and and guideposts that they're looking for within these certain areas to have them be selected mm -hmm. Um, I, I would say for us, um, we did a meeting before we left to kind of see how, how we're feeling in our own vote of decisions, I guess you mm -hmm. could say. And um, um, I don't want to speak on behalf of every 
everyone sure, else sure. that was in the group, obviously. But um, right. we both felt like that having a church established there would be beneficial 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we, um, the next step was kind of to do a meeting once we were all back home and talk about it now that we have had time to process and get over jet lag and all that other stuff, um, how we were feeling, if that was still our decision. Um, however, some of our, the members of our group, Thomas, um, he's on another weekend <laughs> trip. So it's kind of hard to meet uh, online. So I think what the gym decided is we're going to there's going to be like a form. Is yeah, it- they'll have, so they have a report that we're going to have, like officially the same report that we'll be giving to EFM with our recommendation. Mm-hmm. And each of us will be, you know, tasked with reading through that, you know, agreeing with it and saying, yes, this is at peace with how I'm feeling as well. We believe that this is still something, the same thing that we felt when we were leaving is how we feel now, or maybe it's not how we feel now. Um, and then once we have all kind of been able to agree on that report, then that will be provided to EFM. That recommendation will be provided to EFM. And mm. ultimately, they're the ones who will make the decision. Yeah. Um, we're there to kind of just say, okay, does it meet the criteria? So and if I, I'm going to try and see if I can remember all of the criteria that we do have, because there are certain things that we are aiming to like see, right, when we're there. Right. Um, so one of it is, is there a need? Um, is there, are there people who, um, are there that are like ready to jump in and start doing ministry? Um, you know, people of peace, um, does it seem like the, the Lord's opening a door for ministry to happen? Um, and I think there's two more that I'm forgetting, but, um, you know, those are kind of some of the criteria that we're looking for and we're trying to like piece out. Okay. Like while we're here, are we noticing that? in things. And um, I would say where we were kind of at with all of that, at least where, where I felt is I felt like <laughs> many of those things were definitely very clearly in place. Other things seemed like they, they will be in place, but it's not 100% clear yet. Um, but a sense that I really got while I was there, and this was something I felt was really interesting is um there was a moment where we were having conversations with the Durham's who have been missionaries there for about 13 years, 16 years. Sorry. Yeah. 16. Um, and, um, they were just talking about the current situation and I just got this really clear sense in my heart that I'm like, I think that, that God is really doing something different, like refugee ministry for the longest time for the past, you know, dozens of years has looked like, um, you know, you have kind of a ministry center that you have, and at least evangelical discipleship ministry has looked like you have a ministry center that you have. Refugees will come there, you know, they'll socialize, they'll have a place where they can have their, you know, their kids looked, over, looked after, they'll hear the gospel. Some of them will, um, you know, come to faith and believe, and maybe there's some discipleship that can also happen there. Um, but it's difficult because. Uh, so many refugees like will leave very suddenly right mm. and now with all of the recent changes uh, a lot of that way the ministry had been done is just very difficult it's not impossible but it's just a lot more difficult and so i really got this sense like i think that there's something that is happening that is different than it was before 
And I really felt the Lord confirming that as we continue to have conversations with missionaries who are working there. And each of them repeatedly were like, yeah, we feel like God's doing something different. We just don't know what it is yet, which is the exact same sense that I was getting in, in, in my heart. And I feel like EFM really has an opportunity to potentially be on the cusp of something I don't know if cutting edge is the right word, but new and different in Greece and the ministry with refugees there. And with everything that's happening in the world currently, it seems like um, there is only going to continue to be an abundance of need for this kind of ministry. And it seems like Greece is only going to continue to play a large role in that. Now, all of that is still kind of up in the air. There's so much that changes in that situation, but um Lisa and I did both feel very strongly that we felt like there was a great opportunity for EFM. Now, um, I think we're trusting that when we give that report and, you know, if the other team are still kind of in agreement uh, with us, um, that the Lord will continue to work through beyond where the part that we played in that and that, um, you know, he'll be working through the EFM board and they'll be able to uh, also continue to that discernment process. Um, there's still a lot to figure out, like a lot of pieces that we're still, everyone's trying to put together, but yeah. 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 It's very interesting. That's one thing that I've kind of thought that through this whole thing, like hearing the EFM and the five-year goal and all this kind of stuff I've been like, and I've read some of the reports, you know, Northwesterly meeting has gone on a few of these trips. We've, we've done the, we've kind of sponsored or been the spearhead of the Greece one and mm -hmm. the one to Peru and Ecuador. And I think one of the other mm -hmm. ones. So we, we have our hands in quite a few of them on here. And like, I've just been like, man, I don't know how they're going to narrow it down to the five. Like, I don't <laughs> know, I, I've just been kind of curious, like what that process is like, yeah. and how they're going to make that decision ultimately. Yeah. Well, and I think it, it's helpful too, uh, that the way Stan Leach described it to me is he said that it, uh, I believe it was Stan who said, uh, that they're, they're looking at five fields or they're, they're looking for at least five fields, but they're also not going to say absolutely not no more than mm -hmm. that. If the Lord clearly shows that there's more than that, if the, if the Lord is opening six fields, then they want to pursue that as well. But they felt like this was the number that God had put on their hearts. And so, so it'll, it'll be interesting um, to see how that, how that works out. I think it's just a continual thing to be praying about. Um, I've been excited to learn about some of the other fields and we got to talk about them some a little bit while we were there too, and uh, learn more about, you know, particularly Ecuador is one that I know a lot of, there's been a lot of interest in, in the Northwest yearly meeting. Mm -hmm. getting to meet and um, talk with people who have been on those trips as well. It's been really exciting. Yeah. Are you guys feeling led? Like is, is missions and missionary work something that's on your heart? Like, is that what you guys want to do? <laughs> if they're like, yeah, we're going to start this Greek one. Are you guys going to be like, Hey, well maybe we'd, want to go live there like is that something or or did you guys just want to go on the luke 10 trips to help yeah get it that's started? a great question you want to talk about that <laughs> not to put you on the spot or anything yeah no i i definitely think there's an interest for both josiah and i <clears throat> we also had an opportunity uh we had a layover over in uh ireland where we got mm. to meet with um 
missionaries there. Um, well, David and Trisha. David and Trisha. David and Trisha Howell. Yeah. And yeah. so um, it was, I think that plus the Greece trip was really nice for us to see what it would be like to be missionaries because they've been missionaries there in Ireland for a while and just learning about how different cultures react to that. And um, I definitely would say for both of us that we definitely have an interest, but we don't know in which direction yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and we we would definitely like to go on another Luke 10 trip that that would focus more on uh, missionary work, whereas this last trip was definitely to discern whether or not a church should be placed, right, right. Um, by EFM. And so um, I think we we definitely feel like there's something there. It's definitely not a no by any means, but mm-hmm. we're not sure what direction yeah. uh, God is calling us in. So we're kind of just um, listening to see where we feel called next, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I We don't think it's going to be a trip anytime too soon because we're planning a wedding and you know mm, yeah. all that that entails but um we definitely think that's something that we we would be interested in the future together as a couple mm-hmm. cool. now lisa yeah. i have a question for you yeah. as because this was your first your first mission trip thing ever correct <laughs> yes correct so so what was that what was that experience like because i know that there's a lot of people like and I would include myself in this, who's like never really gone on a mission trip before. Mm-hmm. And, and um, like, what was that experience like? And what would you say to people who've like never done anything like that before? Um, I think the, try to think the biggest lesson I learned, I had many lessons on that trip, <laughs> but um, I'd say the biggest one is just to keep an open mind and open heart. I'm someone who just jumps in wholeheartedly. I'm like, what can we do? What's the next step? Very organized. Uh, one thing I really had to learn is like part of a missions trip is that you go where you feel called. And so there was times where it felt like to me, like we could have been doing more, but we were waiting to see what direction to go. And, um, and then there was also times where I needed a little push. Um, I, Lisa Durham, for example, our first camp that we were at, we were all kind of just huddled around, you know, just put out some things and like, uh, trying to figure out, uh, where to go and and like who to talk to right um a big part of being um a woman on this trip is being able to reach out to some of the the muslim women um there because they feel more comfortable talking to other women um and uh, but also there's that culture difference so making sure that we dress appropriate to make them feel the most comfortable you know with their culture and i was just kind of sitting there i'm like how do i how do i speak to these women who only speak farsi you know, and I have no idea what, what to say. And, and Lisa just goes, Hey, Lisa, why don't you just go watch this little boy with his mom and aunt and all these other ladies there? Um, and just make sure he doesn't steal the toys. And I was like, uh, okay. And so, um, I, you know, I went over there and I was just like, all right, God, just let me know what to do. And I didn't think that the first word that would, I would say, uh, this being my first word to kind of connect with all of them is uh, the little boy I started playing with held up a duck and goes quack quack and so I said yeah quack quack and then all the other ladies just started <laughs> laughing and then we were just able we couldn't really communicate fully obviously because yeah. we didn't speak the same language but um, I was really thankful in that moment that God knew that I just needed that little push <laughs> of of just sitting and, and talking. Um, so I think the biggest thing for, for people who 
are nervous about going on missions is that to, to trust that God will point you in the right direction and put you in the place that you need to be. Cause that definitely wasn't the only time during that trip where I had something mm -hmm. like that happen. Um, I connected with quite a few of the kids um, at the different camps and then also just um, getting to uh, connect with other missionaries we met there. Um, so I, I really enjoyed it. Again, I also, I'm someone who goes like all in. So for, for the more shy people out there, um, I would say, you know, you just gotta, that's, it's a really big lesson of putting your faith in God and just letting him lead you and mm -hmm. just learning to make that jump. Cause Josiah, it sounds like you, when you were talking that like, you've wanted to do missions for a while since you got your like mm -hmm. undergrad and your graduate degree in mission right, yeah. so it sounds like this has been a like a part of your heart for a lot longer yeah it, it has but i would say you know up until fairly recently i had felt pretty discouraged on that front mm. um so yeah i i went to school so i, I got my undergrad missions uh, and i went straight into my my master's degree which was in missional multiplication uh, which is what I, I tell people, which is what it technically is, but it, I tell them it's a <laughs> fancy way of saying missions. It's a way to make it sound very uh, educated and and fancy. Um, but yeah, you know, during a lot of that time when I was doing that, um, I, I um, was really like excited. And then uh, 2020 hit and I just felt um, super discouraged. And I don't know, like, I felt like I hit like really like spiritual uh, doldrums. And I don't know, like I, a lot of that excitement that I had felt in that momentum that I had had just kind of paused and then I was working on my degree and I don't know, I just got burnt out and I didn't know, uh, where God was leading me anymore. And Lisa and I started dating and I was like, well, you know, like maybe, I don't know, like maybe God has something else for me in that. And then, um, we were attending a church service and it's funny now because Lisa and I have talked about it since then. And both of us felt very moved in a very similar way during that time. Um, but we were attending a church service here in Salem and there was, uh, a some baptisms that were happening and I don't know just something about that baptism like the Holy Spirit was moving and people were crying and I was crying and Lisa was crying and I don't cry so that's like, <laughs> it was a huge she's thing. notorious for not big. crying during sad movies yeah <laughs> I am but um I think that was telling it was it was like they mm -hmm. what they did it was called uh they were like surprise baptisms it's people in the service who who felt moved or who had been feeling moved and decided that they wanted a baptism there mm -hmm. and the whole service was moving we stayed until everyone was baptized um but uh the first one that got me was this little this younger girl uh she was like a uh, teenager probably yeah yeah adult. and you could just tell she like she had struggles in life and when they asked her like do you take god into your heart as you know your lord and savior and and she's just like yes and she was just like crying as soon as she said mm -hmm. it she was just crying she was just full of excitement i was just like well <laughs> there, there's god moving to the spirits mm -hmm. in the building you know um so it was one of those i think that was the first first moment i actually considered missions 
because I, you know, I grew up in a church where missions wasn't, uh, it was talked about, but not very much. Mm-hmm. Um, so it wasn't a concept that, that I had, but mm-hmm. that, that service just was a big moment for the both of us where we just felt the Holy spirit and seeing people who have been brought to Jesus be moved so deeply that I'm mm-hmm. like, we could bring, even if it's not directly, we could bring people to that moment in their lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for me, it was a comforting moment because I had felt so, my heart had felt so heavy for so long and like just unclear and foggy. And in that moment, there's this just moment of clarity of like, I don't know where exactly God's leading the two of us as a couple, but I know that there's something in this that like we need to continue, like we need to be looking at, we need to continue exploring. And that, I don't know if that is like missions. I don't know if that's Greece. I don't know if that's refugees. Like, I really don't know. But there was something in that where I was like, it, it was just affirming and comforting for me. And I was like, oh, I need to talk with Lisa more about this. <laughs> mm-hmm. I need to, like, there's something I need to be looking at that I'm not. And so um, eventually we were on a car ride back from Washington. We had just dropped her sister off back at her husband's house. And Lisa and I had like their a four, house. yeah, well, their house. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and um, we had like a four hour car ride ahead of us. So I'm like, okay, it's just her and I for four hours. And, and um, all right, now's the chance. All right, Lord, like, give me an opening. And that was when Lisa was like, hey, like, I think we should talk about doing something missions related. And I was like, well, that's an opening if I've ever heard one. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it, that was around the same time that they had just announced the dates for this Luke 10 trip that we, mm-hmm. we've been talking about. So <clears throat> I was like, it felt like God was just kind of bringing all of these pieces together at the same time. And, you know, again, like I think her and I would both say that we would love to continue to explore Greece potentially as a mission field or other fields as a, as an option. Like, I don't think that that's something we would, we would necessarily want to limit ourselves to just one place. Um, we want to go where God is calling us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we want to be diligent in that so there's a lot to for us to consider personally we definitely think i think would need more time than what we had on this loop 10 trip and it was and it was very beneficial like it was um some good discernment i think for lisa and Mm -hmm. correct me if i'm wrong but i felt felt like it was a good opportunity for you to like kind of dip your toes just a little bit in right and Mm -hmm. you know i think in an ideal world our heads were like, all right, we're going to go on this trip. And like, God's just going to be like, boom, this is what you're everything doing. is clear. Yeah. Moving Nothing to is left up to chance. Yeah. <laughs> like it's going to be a hard yes or a hard no. And it wasn't either necessarily, but I think yeah. the fact that it also wasn't a no is very telling. Mm-hmm. So. Awesome. Well, we'll let you guys go. I know you've got a busy day. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you for inviting us. Yeah. yeah. So thank you for coming on the the podcast and yeah. telling us more about your trip and sharing what God's doing in your life. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So right. well, take it easy, you guys. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Enjoy your pictures. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. yeah we will. <laughs> All right. Bye-bye. All right. Bye bye. Bye. So yeah, maybe I don't know. We'll see in a few days. When EFM yeah, you... has their uh, big celebration on Thursday, November, I don't know if it's the 8th or the 9th, 
whatever that date is. Yeah. Um, so the the um the podcast will come out before they have their meeting. So yeah. Um, so we will be anticipating some news, I guess. Um, yeah. And we'll be praying. I mean, ultimately for all these places, whether or not they're chosen as future missionary sites of EFM, uh, doesn't negate the fact that there is work that needs to be done in these locations. Um, so we can definitely be praying that if EFM isn't feeling led to some of them, that other organizations and people would be because, um, certainly there are people there who need to hear about, about Jesus and, uh, the gospel in those places, but, um, EFM can only manage, I guess we'll see, like you said, at least five, maybe a few more, but we'll see what they're feeling led to and what they announce. And then if you're interested, as I'm still looking at their website, you know, friendsmission.com, obviously they have ways and places where you can uh, give financially, but do have a thing on here. Like for those who are seriously interested in exploring the idea of missionary service, whether that be for a couple of years or for a long-term career, EFM is calling you a future missionary and designing opportunities for you that you can learn about. So you can click there and uh, perhaps someone on here listening is one of the future missionaries who will go to one of these sites that gets announced in the next couple of days. Yeah. So that wraps up the November edition of the the podcast and we will see you next month in December. Yep. And like, and, or I guess we'd be subscribe. You don't like <laughs> podcasts, but um, subscribe and review and share you can like it metaphorically. I guess you can like it metaphorically. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, subscribe and review and share with your friends. Yep. Thanks for listening. Once again, thank you for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to share it with others. Please rate and review the podcast so others can find it.